Nick Abbott on LBC. Call 0345 6060 973. Let's go to America. Talk to our US correspondent, Simon Marks, who joins us now. Hello, Simon. Evening, Nick. There's um, some um, interesting developments in Brazil. They're having mm. an election at the moment. It's Bolsonaro versus Lula. Bolsonaro is the Trumpian candidate. How's he doing? He's uh, he's having a bad night. Uh, the Trump of the tropics, and I suspect they will be keeping a very close eye on what's taking place at the White House. This is the first round uh, of the election that's taken place today. There is every indication now that there will be a runoff uh, because it is very close uh, with Lula da Silva, the left-wing candidate, currently scoring 46.6% of the vote. And President Bolsonaro in second place with 44.7% of the vote. I think that's with about half the votes uh, currently counted. Uh, of course, President Bolsonaro, no, it's more than half the vote. I see 86% yeah, yeah, of the vote counted right. now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it looks like it will be a runoff on October the 30th between former President Lula da Silva, the left winger who, of course, at one point uh, served uh, a partial jail sentence in relation to corruption allegations that he uh, vigorously denies, and the current president, known as Trump of the tropics, Jair Bolsonaro, uh, a populist who really has run the country into the ground economically, and of course was uh, one of the great COVID-19 deniers and skeptics on the world stage. He's absolutely bedeviled uh, President Biden. There will be no love lost if uh, Lula da Silva wins the uh, runoff uh, on the 30th of October, but there are fears that Bolsonaro is going to tear a page out of the Trump playbook because he's already talking about the vote having been rigged. He's talking about election irregularities. He's insisting that he won't accept the outcome of the elections if he loses and that he will call his supporters out onto uh, the streets. So we could be in for several weeks of tension uh, in Brazil ahead of that runoff at the end of the month. And then who knows what happens if Lula da Silva triumphs in that one. And he's run his country economically into the ground, but mm. also ecologically, which yes. affects uh, a larger proportion or, or a larger population than just those people in Brazil. Yeah, very much so. I mean, he is a climate change, uh, he's not even a climate change sceptic. I mean, he simply doesn't believe in climate change, uh, which given that Brazil, of course, is the home of the Amazon Basin, uh, the world's lung, people call it, because of the important role that it plays uh, ecologically in terms of generating uh, oxygen because of the vast uh, hundreds and thousands of square miles of uh, trees that are, are located uh, in the Amazon rainforest. He has allowed... Uh, big business to move in there and chop down pretty much uh, whatever they want. Uh, it is worth pausing parenthetically to remember uh, the late Guardian contributing journalist Dom Phillips, who of course uh, was murdered along with uh, a fellow journalist as he was attempting just a few months ago uh, to chart destruction in the Amazon rainforest and uh, President Bolsonaro absolutely dragged his feet in terms of the uh, response to that and at one 
one point almost suggested that the journalists uh, had it coming to them. Uh, so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see if the Brazilian electorate uh, ha- does decide to move against him. I mean, this obviously is a, a very close uh, uh, result in the first round of the race. There's a third party candidate who I see has taken 4.4% of the vote. Uh, where her votes go, of course, will be crucial uh, in the runoff. Uh, and it's also just worth mentioning that this comes, what, a matter of days after a right-wing populist triumphed in the Italian uh, elections. Uh, Giorgia Maloney poised to become the first female Prime Minister of Italy uh, with political uh, leanings that were forged uh, out of uh, the remnants of Benito Mussolini's political party. Yeah. So uh, all of these uh, races and uh, what happens to right-wing populists, of course, uh, will be closely watched here in Washington as we head towards not just midterm elections this year, but 2024 and the prospect of another Donald Trump run for the White House. It is interesting, isn't it, that they, that, that people like um, Steve Bannon, who, uh, you know, is a right-wing populist, uh, they did predict a sort of wave of uh, right-wing wins uh, all over the world. But it's been one step forward and mm. uh, not necessarily two steps back, but they, they, where they win, they lose elsewhere. Now, we in this country, we've got our own uh, right-wing populist. Her economic policies have been described as the most right-wing of any government of a major economy on Earth. How is has her travails been viewed in America? Well, I think with increasing concern. I mean, the Biden administration has been very careful over the last week not to weigh in publicly and assail uh, Liz Truss's economic policies. However, you don't have to read between the lines to understand what Joe Biden thinks of them, because uh, two days before Kwasi Kwarteng unveiled his mini budget a week and a week and a bit ago, uh, Joe Biden was taking to Twitter to say that he was fed up hearing about trickle down economics. It never works, Mm. he said. Earlier in September, he made at least two sets of remarks, one during a cabinet meeting uh, at the beginning of the month and then another during a speech at the Detroit Motor Show about a week later. Later, again assailing the concept of trickle-down economics. He was hitting back in those speeches uh, at his Republican opponents, some of whom favour a return to the kind of economic and fiscal policies favoured by Ronald Reagan and, of course, by Margaret Thatcher, uh, with uh, the president saying at one point he was sick and tired of trickle-down economics, that he's much more interested in building an economy, as he puts it, from the bottom up and the middle out. And he says if the working classes and the middle classes uh, become the engines driving economic growth in the United States, then, of course, the wealthy will benefit along with everybody else. But he's not interested on this side of the Atlantic in economic policies that disproportionately favour the wealthy. Those are exactly the economic policies that the International Monetary Fund, headquartered right here in Washington, D.C., half a mile from the Oval Office, uh, insisted Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss were presiding over in the UK and it was an extraordinary rebuke from the IMF a few days ago of that mini-budget with fund officials basically calling on the Chancellor and the Prime Minister to do a U-turn and then on Friday night here uh, there was another depth charge beneath the British government and it came from the credit ratings agencies, uh, the credit ratings agency S&P, Standard & Poor. 
who essentially warned that they are thinking about downgrading the double A credit rating for Britain's sovereign debt. I mean, every country craves a double A credit rating for its sovereign debt because that's basically, you know, the good housekeeping seal of approval. It's okay to lend money to this country. They uh, said on Friday that instead of viewing the outlook in Britain as stable, they were now instead looking at it as negative. And that's kind of a, a, a half step towards a possible formal downgrade if they continue not to like what they're seeing. And, you know, that's got to be concentrating minds uh, in London. And, and you've got to wonder whether the analysis that S&P put into the public domain on Friday night, where they essentially said that they are assuming uh, that the Chancellor plans to pay for all of this through debt, I mean, absent specifics of how he plans to pay for all of this, they said if you take the assumption that he's paying for it through debt, it will add 2.6% uh, to the deficit on average every year through until 2025. Now, it will be very interesting to see if that analysis matches the Office for Budgetary Responsibilities analysis, which, of course, the British public hasn't yet seen, but perhaps might in a few weeks' time. Yeah, I heard it was all Jeremy Corbyn's fault. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Biden, uh, we were talking about the, the sort of ecological damage that Bolsonaro has caused in uh, Brazil. He is a climate change denier. Um, so are a lot of Americans. Have their minds been changed by this Hurricane Ian, which was one of the most destructive that people have ever seen? Uh, well, uh, Florida certainly has been devastated, as has uh, as have parts of South Carolina by Hurricane Ian. Uh, we're looking at a death toll currently of about 80, and uh, 42 of the people now confirmed to have died in Florida uh, were caught on the um, sort of inland offshore islands that exist off the coast uh, of Florida, the coastal islands. There's a little chain of islands there. You're talking about uh, the Keys? Uh, no, not the Keys. There's another chain of islands, Sanibel Island and others, right. uh, that really bore the brunt of the storm. And some people in this one particular county, Leon County, uh, did not heed uh, evacuation recommendations. And indeed, there are some questions now being asked of Leon County officials as to whether they're evacuated evacuation orders were uh, sufficiently timely. So there's an investigation underway in all of that. Remember that Florida's governor, Republican Ron DeSantis, uh, is himself a bit of a climate change sceptic. Um, argued at uh, one point uh, in, a, in a previous storm against uh, some of the federal aid that was being offered to the Sunshine State. Uh, and so I think this is going to raise once again the spectre uh, of climate change and the debate that takes place in the United States about it. I mean, inevitably, if you're living in Florida, you know, one would imagine that you would have to put two and two together. Uh, there has been a, a sizable um, influx of population to Florida uh, over the last several years, many of whom have not experienced any of Florida's past storms. And there were concerns about how they were going to react uh, to all of this, because there is still this tendency among many uh, Floridians to say, I'm going to I'm going to tough it out. I've been here for decades. Mother Nature's never got me yet. She's not going to get me now. Mm. 
So I, I think it's an open question as to the extent to which it moves the climate change needle. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Donald Trump was sitting down with a group of uh, environmentalists and scientists out on the West Coast and telling them that they were wrong when uh, they claimed that the planet was going to continue warming unless things were done to reverse uh, the damage. Uh, and uh, that vein of thought still uh, exists at a pretty substantial level within the Republican Party. Well, Donald Trump, no one knows more about the climate than Donald Trump. No Every, one knows more about wind than every, Donald Trump. Well, that's right. Every, <laughs> everybody says so. And as we're talking about him, um, is he going to jail or what? <laughs> well, he's not going to jail yet. Um, I mean, there's so many different uh, strands of investigation now underway. Uh, I mean, the latest news uh, relates to his battle to try and stop FBI investigators and Department of Justice prosecutors from poring over the thousands of documents that were carted from his uh, Mar-a-Lago estate uh, during that search and seizure operation by the FBI a few weeks ago. I mean, there's a, a, an insane legal back and forth going on. Trump insisted that he wanted a third-party lawyer appointed to adjudicate each of these documents and determine which may have been classified and which were not, because he was arguing the classified ones absolutely couldn't be looked at by uh, the Department of Justice investigators because they're classified and they shouldn't be allowed to look at them. This third-party attorney known as a special master mm. was appointed uh, pushed back pretty heavily against some of the claims that Donald Trump was making. He went back to the original court uh, that was adjudicating all of this that, happily for him, has a Trump appointee uh, as judge overseeing the case, and she keeps ruling in his favour, and the federal government keeps appealing against her ruling. So right. this game of tennis is going to continue for a while, but it goes to the heart, Nick, of Donald Trump's fundamental strategy in all of these investigations, whether it's that one or uh, the lawsuit that he's facing in New York, every single time any sort of investigation advances against him, he takes action to obfuscate and delay because the longer he can try and run the clock out here, the more propitious he hopes the political circumstances in Washington will become because he hopes the Republicans will do well in the November midterm elections and they will then have investigative power in the House of Representatives to start hauling people like the Attorney General Merrick Garland up and asking them why he is persecuting Donald Trump and pursuing this witch hunt. And it also enables him to keep asking his cultists for money. Have you uh, been asked for money yourself? And, and if so, how much have you given? I, I can't tell you. I, I was, we were talking about this today, actually. Uh, I must get 15 fundraising emails a day from him. I mean, they come in the names of everybody. Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner. Ivanka Trump keeps trying to get me to buy Jared Kushner's book. And I'm still not yielding. Uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's the girlfriend of one of the two sons. I forget which one. Is she the girlfriend of Eric or Don Jr.? I can't remember. It is a relentless tsunami of hucksterism. And apparently it works. Oh, I mean, yeah. I saw some numbers that suggest that, you know, on a weekly basis, he's easily clearing a quarter of a million dollars in donations from people who are responding to this email. And, by the way, there is no way of making this email stop. 
It doesn't matter how many times you unsubscribe, you send it to junk, it still day after day after day shows up in your inbox i I should say that joe biden emails me pretty regularly uh asking for cash as well as does kamala harris oddly they keep calling me monica i don't know why (laughs) every every email says monica we notice that you haven't contributed maybe there's a woman called monica who's getting one for simon i don't know uh, Monica, it's been a delight to talk to you. <laughs> and to you. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent.